Hi, this is Brian Roig. And this is Cyril War. And welcome to the Shaping Spirit podcast. We're just two guys from California who have amassed a good number of academic degrees and who have traveled the world and who have distilled, we could say, um, spiritual wisdom. And we're bringing it right back to you here. What's the topic today? The topic of the day is creating sacred space. I and love Cyril, that. Cyril, I have a question for you because I have always found it incredibly compelling over the years how you have been able to manage successfully, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing, you've managed successfully to create sacred space for yourself. Well, thanks. And so I was wondering if you could walk us through a little bit about how you design your space sacred space and what inspires you because I've seen you do it in trucks. I've seen you do it in vans. I've seen you do it in apartments. I've seen you do it in houses. Literally any place you've ever been, you've been able to um, create successfully sacred space. And I think a lot of times it's hard for people to do that and figure out how it needs to be done. So can you walk us through what your process has been uh, about creating sacred space Successful. Well, you're 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 kind. I think you've you've created sacred space just as much as I have. And it's funny that you mention space in a geographical sense. You know, last week we were talking. Okay, let's next week let's talk about sacred space, creating space, sacred space. And to tell you the truth, this whole time I was thinking of sacred space more in a in a in a in a digital sense and in a in a time in a, in a sense of time, but not so much a. A, a geographical hmm. place. That's really cool that you're bringing that up. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, there. I, I think we can speak about a sacred space in the sense of an actual, like whatever, you know, two foot by two foot, you know, designated area in your living quarters, which is like the sacred zone, right? Physically speaking in terms of material culture or, you know, material objects, material, you know, furniture and so on. And then I think we should also speak about sacred space, you know, like in the heart, sacred space in the mind, sacred space in terms of our 24 hours a day, right? Do you agree? Sure. Yeah. So you guide us. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, let, let's start from creating sacred space in the home, because I think that that's something that if, if for somebody trying to cultivate spirituality and start to develop their spiritual path... A lot of times, you know, if we're busy, we have families and there's other people that occupy the space. How do we find a little safe zone for ourselves where we can say, this is where I'm going to start to develop my inner self and my cultivate my spirituality? I think I know for me, mm -hmm. one, yeah, yeah, please, please. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I do is I have like a pad, it's probably two foot by two foot square mat. And then on top of that, it's like another circular pad. And I like to sit there and read. I like to sit there and meditate. But here's the thing with me, I'm very antsy. So I cannot sit in one particular space for too long. But I do like that it's in my bedroom. It's in a tiny little area. And I, when I see it, I know it's my safe zone. And then the other mm. thing that I do safe is... Safe zone. I, 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 like, you know, I like that notion of yeah. safe zone. We'll unpack I, I that have... Right? I, I'm kind of a hippie. I have crystals all over my house because I like the energy of crystals. I like the representation. I like how they inspire me. I have so to interrupt have you here because crystals for, the, for, the, for the hearers who are listening to this, that's not at all true. I've been to Brian's house. He's not at all. He's the last thing you would think of when you think of the word hippie. 
<laughs> he's <laughs> he's a businessman working in pharmacy, teaching jujitsu, and 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 his apartment is nothing, nothing, nothing like a like a hippie feel to it. <laughs> well, to me it is because I do have crystals. I do have crystals, you know, in corners and in in places in the house. So I might not have the beads and the incense, you know. But, you know, I, I do have the crystals. I do have little corners of the house where I have certain sacred images or um, sacred objects that I've collected from around the world, things that I find meaningful and inspiring spiritually. And I like to put them in different areas. So every corner that I turn, when I walk into another room, I get inspired and uplifted. So what about yourself? Like, how are you able to cultivate a physical sacred well, space. Yeah. If the question is how, then, you know, I, I like, I work on ideas. I, I act based on, I mean, like everybody based on values, right? Based on beliefs, based on, 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 yeah, on thoughts, like ideas move me, you know? And so I believe, and I think this is reality that there is a difference between there is in, like in the universe or in reality, there is such a thing as the sacred, right? The transcendent, the spiritual as a category, right? And the temporary, you know, relative, ephemeral, material. And I'm not going to use the word profane because, you know, that's a concept that I think crept in into the Christian world, you know, over centuries where, you know, everything not spiritual is automatically bad, profane to be looked down upon. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that distinction though, between the sacred and let's say the, or, or, you know, the, the eternal and the temporary, right? The true and like the illusory. That's an important thing to, to have faith in to begin with, because if, if we believe that everything is of the same stuff, everything we hear, everything we see, everything that, that we perceive is of the same category ontologically, then why should we have a sacred space? We, right? Why a sacred space? Because there, no, there is no sacred versus, you know, non-sacred. You know, do you agree? Yeah, that makes sense. That's, I, I think that's a very relevant point. Totally. Um, yeah, so you would <laughs> have, have to, to pat myself the, on the back, but we have to believe <laughs> that there is such a thing as a, as, as a spiritual reality that's different or that's transcendent or that, you know, is parallel to the material dimension of our life. And it's only the, when we accept on faith or maybe for some, you know, on, on, on realization, on experience, that, that assumption, then, you know, we can speak about creating a space a sacred space, you know, in our apartment or in our heart or in, you know, during the, during our, our daily, uh, you know, the, 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 the hours that are given to us during the day. So let's make the assumption that the listener is already on that path where they've already taken that role of accepting, you know, the spiritual from the material, you know, or the, the transcendental from the mundane. So, in order to create a physical sacred space in their place, you know, of residence, as an example, starting from there, what do you think would be key components? Hmm. Picking a place in your apartment that you, that you like, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm into like sacred architecture. You know, every tradition of the world has this notion of arc of, of sacred architecture. I personally, this is me. I like the Northeast corner. <laughs> 
because a lot of traditions speak of the north direction, you know, uh, inviting uh, fortune and then, you know, prosperity and, and the east direction inviting, no, sorry, vice versa. Yeah, east more in like spirituality, you know, devotion, love, divine love. So that northeast corner, whenever I live in a place, I have a little compass and I'm like, okay, where's the northeast corner? <laughs> and then when I find that northeast corner, hopefully it's not the toilet. <laughs> that's where I set up a little, you know, a little altar and then everyone, everyone should have that little, you know, an altar of some type, you know? And then like we often say, whatever tradition or whatever path you like to follow, then, you know, then you put up whatever, uh, the corresponding image or, or, or a candle or whatever, you know what I mean? But the, the basic mm -hmm. principle of having that little sort of, yeah, shrine or altar where you can go to, like, what, what was the word you used? A safety zone, right? Yeah, like a safe zone. You know, because I really feel like, you know, when when you're doing this, it should be our safe space, right? Totally. That's I think that's very key is that when we, uh, our spiritual life should be a place of, of safety and unconditional love. Because we're getting right? attacked. We're getting bombarded like all freaking day long from all directions, right? And including from inside, from our own mind, not to speak of, you know, advertisements, billboards, you know, pop-up uh, commercials. I mean, you name it, you know, 5 million notifications, emails, you know, verbal abuse, competition. I mean, you name it, right? We're, we're constantly in this, in, this, in this frenetic atmosphere. And so coming to, like you say, a safe zone is like, okay, whew, okay, now I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out of the rat race and here... There's nothing and nobody who is attacking me, who's, who's harassing me, who's, you know, I'm safe. I'm, I'm in the presence of the divine. Mm -hmm. Being in the presence of the divine, right? Yeah. Now, what yeah. do you think? Let me I, ask I you this agree. question. What do you think of, mm -hmm. you know, if we, if we extend that notion, because we kind of touched on the geographical side of it now. And I'd like to talk about, you know, the, the, the sacred space and the heart. And they're all related, I think. But what about sacred space in terms of what you allow and what you don't allow your mind and your ears to see and to hear. Yeah. I think that, so this is going to be very controversial. I think my answer is going to be very controversial. I think that it is completely relative to the individual. And here, here's why I say that. There's things that somebody may find uh, offensive or not operating on their frequency. And yet somebody else says that I find that to be very spiritually uplifting. Like okay. I like listening to metal, heavy metal, right? I like listening to thrash. I love Megadeth. Megadeth for me inspires me in a variety of different levels. That doesn't turn me off and go, oh my God, this is so horrible and evil and I can't listen to this. It's ruining my my spiritual life. It's quite the opposite. I feel like it kind of inspires me to, to be more spiritual and to be more connected because it's something that I enjoy and that I love and I find on so many levels, I enjoy it. Somebody else may listen to it and God go, you know, what is this horrible, heavy guitar music and it's so loud and, you know, 
this this turns me off and it ruins my frequency. So I think we have to look at it as individuals and say, what what is working for me? What works for me in my sacred space? So if we're saying within the heart, right? What uplifts us? That's the question we have to ask. What's uplifting? So if we know kind of physically what's uplifting in our area, you were referring to have like maybe some kind of little altar. Maybe there's a book like that you like or a candle or a couple of comfortable pillows that you can enjoy, that you can decorate, that you find beauty in. So within your heart, it's, it's got to be the same thing. Don't you think? It has to be a place where you have it carved out where no matter what, it's going to be unconditionally uplifting and unconditionally loving. Right. And you really have to protect that, right? And, and speaking of protecting, let me jump on that then because that's what I was trying to, to, to urge out of you. Um, I think it's been proved scientifically that the early morning hours, right? the early morning hours tend to be more conducive, generally speaking, for any type of spiritual activity. Right, there's a saying in Spanish, Dios ayuda a, uh, Dios ayuda a los que madrugan. God helps, <laughs> God helps those who wake up before dawn. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when you look at the life of, what's that guy, Tony, um, what's that huge guy who kind of looks like Schwarzenegger, who's t- Tony Robbins, right? Mm. So Tony Robbins, there's like, you know, the, the, the 5 a.m. club, what is that called? Or the, that's also a huge popular movement. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm totally the opposite of that. So I guess God's not helping me in any way. I am <laughs> yeah, okay, not a morning okay, person. Not, I am not wired for that. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying this is like, okay, okay, because I'm not saying this is like, you know, etched in stone. But I think there yeah. are studies that prove that, I mean, that it's easier, at least for the mind, it's just easier to get into a groove of, a, of prayer or meditation or, you know, chanting of hymns or reading scripture, you know, or, or yeah, in, in the morning. It's just, things are just a lot more peaceful at that time. And uh, I mean, I, w- I would suggest the hearers, you know, like try, try going to sleep a little earlier one night and wake up a little earlier. And during that morning time or before you actually start kicking into seeing what are your messages, you know, who texted you, what's the email, what are the tasks for the day, um, save, you know, go into that sacred space if you have it. And even if you're not geographically in that sacred space, and this is where I, when I talked about at the beginning, carve out a sacred space of time. You know, mm. whether it be five minutes or 15 minutes or, or 30 minutes or an hour, whatever it is. And, you know, and if you don't have the self-control, use what I use because I don't have self, <laughs> much self-control. You know, there's softwares like freedom.io. Have you heard of that app? Uh, yeah, I think you told, you told us about that before. It's a software you use that shuts off your electronics. on a, It's on a timer or something, right? Exactly. So, you know... For example, you use that and then, okay, you're free. And then during that time, you try to absorb yourself in the sacred as opposed to the temporary and the, you know, ephemeral of this world. And again, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're speaking in general terms here. So we're not going to say do, do this specific prayer or that, you know, follow this particular tradition or that, right? But the mm. principle of carving out some space in terms of the time continuum during your day. And during that time, according to your own, you know, uh, availability and, you know, whatever, tendon, you know, whatever you like. I mean, according to each 
person's individual case, spend that time in the presence of the divine. What do you think? I think that's really cool. I, you know, and I, uh, to piggyback on that, I'm not sure what the, how they split up the hours, but I always found it very fascinating that within the Islamic tradition, I think, you know, they have that call to prayer. That's right. I think it's five times a day, right? And, and I, I found it very unique and very inspiring that, you know, when they do this, they have a little mat or it's like a little rug that they pull out, right? And they face a particular direction that they find sacred. And then they do this prayer five times a day. I don't know how early in the morning they, they start. I don't know if it's like before dawn the first time, but I know it's multiple times a day. And I, I, I find that particular discipline within their um, spiritual tradition to be... Um, very interesting and motivating because they're able to basically get a billion people, right? To go, okay, here's what we're doing, guys. You know, they, they have the, the, if you're in a particular country where they have that loud call to prayer, everybody knows it's going off, stop what you're doing or get up, roll out your mat, and, you know, face it the particular sacred direction and start your prayer. And I, I find that interesting because, you know, it's a great way to, really kind of get people motivated and inspired that no matter what, this is part of my daily discipline. This is part of my daily life that I will engage in my sacred time, my sacred space. Right. And it's, it's, it's not something that they compromise on. I find that uh, very inspiring and interesting. In Paris about a few years ago, there was some sort of, um, um, something that happened. And so the Muslim community got really sort of upset. And I remember this. So they kind of went out and, and did, a, did a public prayer, prayer in the streets. <laughs> and like traffic was backed up and it was a whole mess. So it's, it can be a little impractical too, but I love the principle. You're right. Because we have a tendency to be to say, you know, yeah, I'm really spiritual. I'm really spiritual. But then it's like, okay, out of the 24 hours, like how much time do you actually spend exclusively in that sacred space? Right? Right. Hmm. I, I know for me, you know, it's typically about two hours a day that I spend in, you know, my, my different practices of contemplation, meditation, and my spiritual journey, so to speak. Uh, it typically, I think I may have mentioned it before, I have to split it up because by nature, I am not the type of person that can just sit and do one thing at a time unless I'm like on the mat teaching or, you know, recording music or something. Most things I cannot sit and do for hours on end. So I'm not a good meditator, folks. I cannot sit for two hours in lotus position and just, <laughs> and just like focus on my third eye for two or three hours straight. That ain't happening. It's not me. It's not going to be me. And I'm okay with that, right? I think that that's one of the things that we need to keep be considerate of is that we all need to be kind with ourselves in terms of however we're able to carve out our sacred space and time, be flexible and generous with yourself. Because like we've talked about before, when we build the spiritual bank account, there's no diminishment. It always, it's ever increasing. So yeah. whatever you time you can put in, commit to it. I love the idea of, hey, if you could do five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the morning, keep your phone away. Maybe you could do a five minute 
some type of prayer or meditation or contemplation first thing in the morning, boy, imagine what you can do if you had your little sacred physical space and you do that for five or 10 minutes in the morning, just get, get, your, get your mind straight, right? Then you can start to go on your day. Maybe take a break in the middle of the day. Do it again. Do it again in the evening before you go to bed, right? As you part of your reflection and setting yourself up for, you know, good thoughts at night and, and restful sleep, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the last things you think of at the time at the time of going to bed and first thing you think of in the morning really affects your your consciousness during the you know, during your waking hours. Um Coming back to this philosophical point, though, about the difference between the sacred and the, the temporary, I think we really have to be convinced, for example, that when we're scrolling on Instagram, right, we have to be convinced that the kind of posts, like if, if some post, for example, comes up and it's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a quote from the Bible or the quote, a quote from some sacred scripture, or it's a picture of you know, of Jesus or, you know, if, if some traditions accept the notion of saint, some saint or, you know, the, uh, some representation of the divine, right? Okay, so a post like that, we have to be convinced, has a spiritual, empowering, positive, uplifting effect on our consciousness. And mm. conversely, conversely, Brian, posts that are not directly related to the divine don't have an uplifting spiritual uh, effect on our consciousness. And we could even say they have, in some cases, as we know very well, especially when we get into, you know, porn and, and stuff like that, has a degrading effect on our consciousness. And so when we talk about sacred space, I think it's important to also talk about, okay, what am I letting into my heart through my eyes, through my ears? And if if what, you know, and, and we have to 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 be able to distinguish the quality of the kind of thing we're letting into our sacred space in our heart because it's not they're not all the same they all posts don't have the same effect on our consciousness some we could say are spiritual and some are just not spiritual do you do you agree yeah. or would you add something yeah i you know i'm one of those guys i, I got to say i <laughs> i feel very blessed that i grew up in a time prior to the internet you know, and computers weren't a thing really, you know, when I was growing up. And so the reason why I feel fortunate is like, I, I personally do not have like this, um, obsessive attraction or need to social media. When I do engage in social media, it's literally just for my business, my martial arts school. That's really about it. It's, it's a very limited amount of time. I, I, I use maybe 15 or 20 minutes a day, if that. It's very, very limited because I find it to be incredibly distracting and I feel like anything that sucks me in digitally is, is regardless of what the, the motivation is, I think is taking away my time from being present truly present with what's around me. So, you know, in a sense, I do agree with you. The other thing is, it's just like, I, I think everybody needs to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of cut it off a bit and not spend so much time, uh, you know, looking at posts regardless, you know, because every time you can find a, you know, a positive post or a spiritual post, it still takes you down a rabbit hole. And the next thing you know, it's like two hours later and you're like, 
what did I do with my life? I was just reading spiritual posts on Instagram, you know, or Facebook or whatever. And I don't know necessarily how beneficial that is. You know, well, I really don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to, to, to play the devil's advocate, you know, for someone who, who is a faithful, whatever, XYZ spiritualist, and when you get a mm-hmm. post that, you know, reminds you of, you know, your, your, I don't know, the tenets of your theology or of your favorite saint or your favorite divinity, deity, or, you know, reminds you of, you know, your space in relationship to the divine, et cetera, et cetera, that feels inspiring. Mm-hmm. And that post itself brings you to your sacred space. It's, it, it, you know, it's like when you play Monopoly, you go back to the starting, you know, whatever, how do you call it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go back to the beginning, back to square one, back to the root. So I think there is something beneficial about, about, but the risk is to, okay, to look at that post and feel inspired and then, you know, spend 95% of the rest of the time, like you say, wasting time on, on, on posts and stuff that really don't have much spiritual benefit at all. Yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, there was an interesting article that I had read recently that it said that you should avoid any type of digital interaction I think it was like between the hours of 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. or 11 p.m. and 4 a.m., something like this. Um, okay, can you say that again? Re- From what time to what time? It, 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 I think it was either between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. or 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. And it, what's, it was the, something what's the reason? Very close to that. The reason why is it's been proven that it gives you a dopamine dump. So it actually negatively affects your brain and how you're wired and your neurotransmitters if you are engaging in any type of digital interaction between those hours. Let me give you so, an experience to justify your point real quick. Mm-hmm. The days when I really am strict with this uh, freedom.io website, I mean app, and by the way, we're, you know, actually we should ask them to, you know, pay us because we're endorsing them <laughs> right now. But when, when I'm strict and like I literally block myself from all internet access, you know, and this is, I'm not saying everyone should do that, but, and I, and I happen to wake up early and I've got nothing else to do in the morning than to, you know, dive into a spiritual practice like mm-hmm. yours. I notice that the rest of the day is just like pumped. It's so pumped. And then when I actually then switch back into, okay, like, world mode, world embracing mode, like, okay, you know, I, freedom, the, the session on freedom.io is, is finished and, and I've, I've charged my batteries. I've charged my spiritual batteries in my sacred space, you know, in my Northeast corner of my apartment or, you know, or not just or, but and in my heart and, you know, with my time, I notice a big difference as opposed to days when the alarm rings and then I take my phone and first thing is like Facebook. Big difference mm. on the rest of the day. Big difference. Have you experienced yeah. that, or you're, you're you're not as much of a slave no. as I am to social media? So <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm not into it because I and I think a lot of it is like a lot of people just, are though, Brian. A lot of yeah, people. I'm are. not a morning person, so when I get up, I I just have to move. I move very slowly. It takes me a while to to move. And like I said, I think that's. Part of the reason why I'm incredibly grateful that I did not grow up in the digital era. I think younger generations are more attached to it than older generations at this point. I think you have to be, um, I don't know, like a millennial to really be, you know, to be in that category. And yeah, there's other people that do it, but 
for me, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I have no interest and I know people, I agree with you. I know people like in our age group, you know, Gen Xers and, and, and older that the second they wake up, like their phone is right next to them on their nightstand. They have to go to bed looking at the phone. They wake up looking at the phone. They're constantly texting and, and posting and this and that and the other thing. And that's and a lot right. of us. That's a lot of us. Yeah. Even adult. I mean, even those who are not so young. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things. That's just not me. I'm just not wired that way. I just, I'm not into it. I, I kind of use, I kind of look at this, all this technology more as tools than entertainment. Um, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't resonate with me, and I'm very glad it doesn't. You know, I I had that opportunity growing up where I was outside every day. You know, the only rule I had, you know, like say example in the summertime is make sure you're home by the time the sun comes down. So you know, I was out in the morning. I was gone with my friends. You know, you don't see that with kids these days. I mean, it's too dangerous now. But I was gone. I have no idea how I ate or anything. I know we drank water out of hoses and random neighbors' houses and yards. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we I was cruising all day. Nowadays, kids are you know young people are soft. You know, it's just like they're ultra reliant, entitled, and they're obsessed with this digital. Uh, technology and there is no room. I don't feel like there's any room for them to have sacred space because they're programmed but again, to be so far removed from the from the sacred. That's what I see. You're right, but I think that's sac- that if I can add that being removed from the sacred can you know happens not only in the actual physical world but also happens in the digital world and the 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 the, the, the inverse is there also. Like you can be close to the sacred in the in the world, in the physical, like actual, you know, non-mediated world, but also in, in the mediated world. I mean, it's not perhaps the most wonderful experience, but there, you know, how many, how many, I don't know, Bible reading groups are there on Zoom? How many, you know, Quran reading groups are there? How many people, you know, read the Vedas online together? How many people do group meditation online, you know? Yeah. So those kind of, of digital sacred spaces um, have merit, have you know substance to them. You don't agree with that? Oh, I agree with that a hundred percent. But that's that's intentionally creating a sacred space, right. right? I think the point that I was trying to make is that most people are so oblivious to that opportunity that they would much rather engage in TikTok makeup videos or TikTok style videos or, you know, Instagram posts about some celebrity or who's driving the fanciest car. They're, they're more engaged in nonsense than And if than that's all else. that they're engaged in all day, then it's like, where is the, where is the relief? Where's the, the moment where you can just like, okay, tap out of it. Like, oh my God. Right, I, I couldn't imagine my life from morning to evening, like day in, mm. day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Whether it's at work or on, you know, on a weekend trip with my family, whatever, but just mm. without a sacred space. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, here, here's a funny story for you, and again, <laughs> something controversial, but it it was very impactful for me in a positive way. Uh. I, I think I was a freshman in college, and back then uh, the 
renowned and controversial doctor uh, who was forced out of Harvard, Timothy Leary, had come to university to do a lecture. And Timothy Leary at the time, now mind you, this was pre, way pre-internet, okay, pre-any technology that we see today. And he did this whole presentation on the future generations of children would be engaged in what he called RPMs, realities per minute. He's like, what we have now, you have one reality, and this is what you're focused on, and your attention span is just on X, Y, Z. And he said, and he was showing us videos of like all these, like, I, I tell you, this guy was like a futurist. He knew what was coming. And, you know, he was just like, you know, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to have these kids that they have these realities per minute and they're going to have so much engagement that they're going to become numb and they're going to be completely unsettled. And he was explaining this, like I said, more than 30, like 30 years ago. And I remember one of my friends who was a a med student at the time or pre-med, he was so freaked out he, when we got out of there. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so afraid of this technology. I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, this is horrible. I can't believe this is going to happen to people. So, uh, you know, he, it, it was so funny that, like, I, 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 uh, I got into it. I understood what he was saying. Uh, and a lot of people got freaked out. And I, I understood why they got uh, freaked out. But they you know, identified, t- like, this is me. <laughs> yeah, this is me. Or prior to, like, there's no way this could be happening, right? Because, like I said, this, this, this lecture was pre-internet. And, you know, back in the 60s, Timothy Leary had this, this counterculture saying that some people took offense to. But it makes sense if you internalize it. He used to say, turn on, tune in, and drop out. And what he was referring to, it wasn't like, you know, drop out of work, drop out of school. It had nothing to do with that. It was about turning on, tuning into your internal, your internal conversation. And drop out of the external. Drop out of the external, drop out of the nonsense and start reconnecting with a more spiritual path. This is what he was actually talking about. And seeing now these children with realities per minute, I see why they have sleep deprivation. I see why they have low self-esteem. I see why they're not, yeah, realities per minute. Timothy Leary was talking about this. Each short on YouTube is- Oh my God, YouTube, uh, this TikTok thing, right? That people are, these kids are are obsessed with, you know, reels. And it's not just kids, like, you know, people of different ages, but- the amount, think about the amount of realities you have per minute. You have that going on. You have the TV going on. You have people texting you at the same time. This did not exist 10 years ago. It didn't have exist 20 the, years ago. It didn't exist 30 years ago. Have you heard of the book called Deep Work by Carl Newport? No. Carl Newport is a guy who is, either, is a teacher or uh, got his degree from MIT. And... Um, and and he he has this theory. It's a great book. It's a great book. And there's also I think he was on on some famous podcaster. Um, his theory is that deep work or you know the ability to focus right without distraction on a cognitively like demanding task right mm-hmm. that skill itself that skill is the most precious skill 
in today's world, precisely because of, you know, fragmented. And that's why I love so much what you said about, I never knew Timothy Leary had, had referred to that as, you know, realities per minute, because our attention is so fragmented now, so fragmented. Yeah. And his, his research showed that each time you switch from one cognitive, you know, task to another, there's some sort of energy, some sort of cognitive, you know, um, fuel that that's is eaten up that is consumed just like you know when you press on the accelerator in your car you eat up that gas right mm -hmm. so we have like cognitive gas so to speak and each time we switch to another you know another well like timothy leary says another reality per minute another notification another email another reel then there's 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 an there's there's some cognitive energy that's being used up. You see what I mean? Whereas if you yeah. stay on one particular task without moving to another one, you're saving up that fuel. And so by the end of the day, when you tally up all you know, your, your, your cognitive uh, activities during the day, those of us who have been you know, bombarded and who have shifted from, or sh yeah, shifted from one cognitive task to another, and that's, you know, totaling in the thousands nowadays, you see this huge amount of energy that's been wasted, that's been used to each time, you know, you know, like they say, you know, you get into your zone, but then if you leave and you go and then you come back a half hour later, it takes you, you know, X amount of time to get back into your zone, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that deep work is, is key, as they say. For, 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 for success in this world. I love that. You know, I, I, that totally makes sense to me. And, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm not going to get into like as a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but I do believe that with this digital inundation that we have and these multiple realities per minute, it is creating a sense of cognitive dissonance and it's actually depleting us of our functionality and our strength. And it's not allowing us to really uh, adhere to our sacred space, to adhere yeah. to our, our, our whatever uh, ad adopted or inherited spiritual tradition that we choose to follow. And I think in a lot of ways, unless you're using it consciously can be a threat to your spiritual growth. Well, speaking of which, can, can I, can we perhaps finish with this? I don't know if you ever heard this analogy of the, of a creeper of a little plant that, that, you know, you, you have to protect from mm. weeds and from, you know, the, the elements you have to water it. You have to, you know, give it enough sunlight. Right. Yeah. So that sacred space can also be uh, compared to a to a little to a little plant, a little creeper, a little mm -hmm. plant that that's just starting to grow, and and like you said at the beginning, Brian, we really have to we have to really protect that creeper. We have to cultivate it. We have to water it. We have to we have to protect it. Yeah, because you know, otherwise it just there's the chances are that it just gets it dries up or it gets eaten up by, you know, by insects or, you know, whatever. I'm not a botanist, mm -hmm. but a botanist will, will, will give you 5,000 different, uh, you know, causes for a plant to, to die, right? 
And so as yeah. a gardener, we have to really uh, protect that, that sacred space. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, that's something that we have to be mindful of, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Uh, mindfulness we have to keep it as a priority. Conscious. We have to keep it as a priority. Like I have, I have a bi-dimensional life. Like if you're starting your spiritual life, you have to start acting and behaving and living a life where you accept as a premise that I, my life is bi-dimensional. It's two-dimensional. From now until I die, there's, a, there's two dimensions to my life. There's a physical dimension and there's a metaphys- metaphysical dimension. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And, you know, I think that one thing that we need to do, right, in terms of as we're wrapping this up here, is be committed to our sacred space, which includes our sacred time, right? So how do we do Creature. that, though? Like, how do we get the strength, so, Brian? I think... I think it's by taking baby steps. So number number one would be find that sacred physical space within your home or somewhere where you know you, it's safe for you and it's protected and it can be cherished and it's filled with the things that you find uplifting, spiritual, and loving. That would be number one. Number two, make a commitment to yourself. I know we talked at the beginning of the podcast this uh, fascinating tradition within Islamic culture in terms of the, you know, multiple prayer times a day, how they have their physical sacred space. We don't necessarily condone this because otherwise we may get sued by people who lost their jobs because, you know, in some some office on Wall Street, they like whipped out a a man started, you know, chanting. Yeah, hopefully. I don't think think they can do that. I think your, you know, your religious rights are... protected. And hopefully, you know, if that is the tradition you follow, there is an opportunity for you in your workplace to go and uh, have your sacred time. Have you ever been to airports where there's like a meditation room? Yeah, I have. And they have like little chapels. And so I love that. And I I think that all workplaces should have that. It could be non-denominational, right? Doesn't have to be any particular religious tradition, but a sacred space for anyone to go and practice their spiritual tradition. And we have to make sure we're committed to our hearts, committed to the sacred space in our hearts and our minds. Start small, guys. Start small. Can you commit five minutes a day? If you can do that, you are winning. We have 24 hours in the day. Give yourself five minutes in the morning, leave the phone alone, and start with some type of spiritual practice. Five minutes in the morning, that's all you have to do. Wake up, wash your face, put a smile, look in the mirror, sit down and give yourself five minutes. Give your soul, nourish your soul for five minutes, then go out and kick ass. Yeah, that's a great message. Wash your face, give X amount of time to the divine and go kick ass. Yeah. Go kick ass, right? Well, I mean, you know, they always talk about like, uh, the, the impact and power of a smile. I, I, it's, a, it's the silliest thing in the world, but as soon as I get up in the morning when my alarm goes off and I can't stand my alarm, I walk to the mirror, I go to the bathroom, I wash my face with cold water, I force a smile because I'm not a morning person, I force a smile, and then I start my, you know, my morning meditation for like about five, 10 minutes, get myself motivated, and then I go out and I go, okay, it's time to kick some ass. And then I start moving from there. And that's what I have to do. Right. I think yeah. we can all do that. Right. Yeah. Start yeah, with that five minutes. That's all we got to do, guys. Let's start with five minutes. Exactly. And then combine that, uh, that bi-dimensional, like harmonize and, and, and keep those two, you know, 
in 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 view and in our left pocket and in our right pocket and 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 move in the world um with with a spiritual consciousness right awesome so awesome. thank you all for uh listening today you can reach us at shapingspiritpodcast at gmail.com, shapingspiritpodcast at gmail.com. And Cyril, what do you need to tell them? Are well, they their bodies? As, as we always <laughs> say, you are not matter, but you matter. Or we are, not, are not matter, your body. but we matter. Exactly. We are not our bodies. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Thank Have a great week. Thank you all for week. listening. Ciao, ciao.